0: And since he's in WWE, I'm going to make sure he go right out the ring. And I might get on the top of the bucket or the rope and come down with a flying elbow kick. Who knows? Who knows? I'm not looking for Erky Jerky. I want him to meet me dead in the center of the ring. Let's have a slugfest. Best man stands up, loser goes down. I got 20 knockouts out of 29 wins. He knows he was rocked three or four times in that fight. But I never had the gas to finish him. I'll be honest and truthful. I didn't have the gas after the layoff, after all the weight loss. I never had the gas to put my foot down. This time I can turn that screwdriver until he's gone. And I want to meet him head on. El mono, el mono, in the centre of the ring. Let's make it a Tommy Earns Marvin Aguilar type fight. Best man stands, the loser goes back and recruits, back to the gym, back to the drawing board. I'll meet you, Deontay, in the middle of the ring, 22nd of February. I won't be running. You won't have to look anywhere for me. Just watch out for the right hands, because you're going to sleep in two rounds. Two. Two rounds. He's going down.
1: This was a really interesting presser. It was way smaller than the last presser, where they actually had a little fight on stage. Fury walked out on the stage, as his name was called, no one clapped. That was like one of the first things I noticed and he seemed a bit taken aback by that because he got no love. But then again, like I said, it was a small uh, media only event. There were no fans present like the last time. And then when Wild- Wilder walked out, he had the WBC strap uh, across his shoulders and he, you know, he did get a little bit of a round of applause and then they faced off and that's when the smack talking began. Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, aka Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holes Barred.
0: Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holes Barred. This past Monday, January 13th, there was a press conference in Los Angeles for the upcoming heavyweight fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, from which you just heard brief clips by both fighters. That fight takes place in just five weeks on February 22nd in Las Vegas. The press conference itself was streamed online and will also be shown in the U.S. on TV on Fox on the afternoon of Saturday, January 25th, beginning at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Our correspondent, the one and only Chris Baldwin, was in attendance at this press conference. And on this show, we discuss all about it and this important fight itself. We spoke with her by phone Friday, but... Before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Bard. No Holds Bard is brought to you by Skulls Combat Sports Equipment, creator of the patented Skulls Double End Bag, is the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed. Distance and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Combat Sports Equipment, that Skulls with a Z. Advancing Combat Sports Equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Instagram and Facebook at Skulls with a Z Combat Sports. And Adolfina Studios original art prints, and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Hello, everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, no holds barred. After saying there would be no pre-fight press conference, other than probably, other than the week of the fight, for the Fury-Wilder rematch on February 22nd, there was one this past week on Monday in Los Angeles, and uh, Chris Baldwin was there, she's going to tell us all about it, and we're going to discuss this fight, which obviously is an extremely important fight in all of boxing and in the heavyweight division. But we're going to find out a little bit about what went on at uh, this event. And uh, once again, welcome to No Holds Barred.
1: Thanks, Eddie. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, yeah, this was a really interesting presser. It was way smaller than the last presser where they actually had a little fight on stage. But <clears throat> I... Um, You know, when Fury walked out on the stage, as his name was called, no one clapped. That was like one of the first things I noticed. And he seemed a bit taken aback by that because he got no love. But then again, like I said, it was a small uh, media only event. There were no fans present like the last time. And then when Wilder walked out, he had the WBC strap uh, across his shoulders. And, you know, he did get a little bit of a round of applause. And then they faced off. And that's when the smack talking began. And uh, I tried to get a little bit closer to the stage, and I think I overheard Deontay telling Fury that you know he had no clue how he got down on the canvas or how he got up, and he promised to knock him down again. And then you know the usual uh, presser, the way they structure this, they had the you know Sugar Hill come up and and talk, and um, and he pretty much said that with Wilder being the biggest puncher in history. And Tyson being the best heavyweight boxer in history, I just i, I was kind of, I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Um, that this is why this fight is so historic. So, what did, what did you think about that? Did you watch the streaming?
0: Yeah, I, thinking- I, I watched I watched it and I listened to a lot of the audio of it without the 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 nonsense and you know cutting out. A lot of mm-hmm. the everybody getting up saying, "I want to thank everybody else who's on the the stage and all that." Um, you know, you have to understand Tyson Fury has uh, looking. He's already been in the WWE a little bit. He's talking about going back to the WWE, and uh, like Ali, he's picked up a lot of this WWE braggadocio stuff. So in terms mm-hmm. of what people are saying aside from the, the usual hype and all that, you can't you can't pay a whole lot of attention to any of it in terms of what it what it really means. You have to analyze it independently. And I, I think mm-hmm. all this stuff about I think Deontay Wilder is extremely one dimensional and this came across at the press conference itself. And I think fury doesn't have is not a big power puncher, although you don't have to be a big power puncher to to hurt wilder um as even Brazil before he got knocked out by just sort of standing there and getting bombed with you know with a knockout blow. Brazil even had Wilder in trouble on the ropes in their brief fight for a short period of time, and he rocked Wilder during that wild first round, the only round of the fight that they had uh, I just think that you have to analyze this stuff independently because uh, what, what they're saying really is to hype the fight, to market the fight, to uh, present a narrative which suits them but doesn't necessarily have anything to do with, with reality and Fury is particularly good at that, particularly creative at that and I think that's a lot of what he was really doing and to me Wilder's Wilder's just so bad at all of this stuff he was mocking Fury for being in the WWE and he said he was gonna that he might do the same thing and give him a flying elbow kick what is a <laughs> yeah he,
1: he did say that
0: now <laughs> look you don't have to follow if he doesn't follow WWE That's that's great but how can you talk about an elbow kick? What is this? What is going on in this guy's battered brain, you know? And Fury was working everybody, it's the old pro wrestling term, you know, to work people, of uh, I'm going to knock you out in two rounds, two rounds and all this stuff. And so now he's put into Wilder's small brain that maybe he has power that we don't know about. Maybe he's, re- maybe he's really in good shape. Unlike in the first fight, where he was just coming off for a few months before losing all that excess weight, uh, ring rust and all that. Maybe he's better off this fight. Um, so now he's put it into their heads. I don't think it's. I don't think it's likely at all. I think it's one of the least likely outcomes that. Uh, Fury wins by a knockout, unless there's you know a cut or something like that. But we're talking about a a regular knockout. I think that's extremely unlikely. Although he does have power, um, it's just not the top top level power. So, but he did hurt a lot of Deontay game. in the last
1: fight. Yeah, he did hurt Deontay in the last fight. He just said, and he did admit he didn't have the gas
0: to finish him that's what he said but i, I think it's going to be i think it could be done but he has to have a really good strategy of where to do it and when to do it i think he could hurt wilder on the inside or
1: well i thought when i rewatched the fight i think it was the fourth round tyson did he did rock uh, it looked like he rocked Wilder, but like, you know, it was one or two punches and he backed off the guy. I'm like, what are you doing? You should be, you know, smothering him right now or just trying to take him out. But he didn't do it. And then he said, hey, I had him a couple of times and I just didn't have the gas. He So now he's training to sit down on his, on his punches and land that right hand. And that's why he went. That's why he chose Sugar Hill as his uh, coach for this fight.
0: Well, he chose him. For a couple of reasons. The first thing is they he parted ways with Ben Davison because in his last fight with Otto Wallin he did not look sharp at all and it was even before mm-hmm. he got that really bad cut. He just didn't look real sharp and his father who by the way is uh, banned from entering the United States because he went to prison for a few years for g- gouging a man's eyes out it's sort of a street oh, fight, yeah. So he, because of the criminal background, he can't come to the United States. So his father said he looked weak as a kitten and all that. And mm. he may have been exaggerating a little bit, but he didn't look real sharp at all in that fight. So I think he wants to get better training methods. And it, if Sugar Hill Stewart is, uh. You know, following the same type of training methods that Emmanuel Stewart did for people like Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko, then I think uh, he's going to be okay. Uh, and he'll be better for this fight. But I also think if you look at what these guys, what Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko were taught, these were two big heavyweights that had been knocked out before. And he taught them mm-hmm. a lot to use their height and reach use that, particularly with Klitschko, use that left hand as a jab to keep people away. And then when the time is right, go jab, 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 big right hand. But I think Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko had a lot more power than Tyson Fury has. But the question is with Wilder's chin, because he's out of position so often. If Fury catches him Mm -hmm. out of position... Can he take advantage of that? I think it, you know. I think that's certainly a possibility. Other people haven't really been in that position to do it. Uh, Luis King Kong Ortiz in their first fight had Wilder in trouble at one point, and mm-hmm. after, but it was too late in the round, and in the seventh that seventh round, and then the New York Commission doctors gave Wilder all that extra time after the seventh round to recover and you know then Ortiz ran out of gas and in the rematch Ortiz had dropped some weight but but you know he's older and the, the power, the electricity from Ortiz was pretty much gone in that fight but he outboxed them for six plus rounds, almost seven rounds and he's been outboxed. Yeah, I liked his offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, Wilder's been outboxed by lesser fighters like Gerald Washington for four rounds. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what what he does. But I think that you know what combination of tactics Fury uses. But I think most of this is really hype. I think uh, they really know their best bet is getting a decision win. And keeping away from Wilder's power and, and doing a better version right. of what he did in their first fight.
1: Right. So Wilder then will have to come out like he, and, uh, to knock him out. I mean, that's the only way he's going to win. So yeah. I don't think he's gonna, he can outpoint Tyson.
0: Wilder's 34 years old is tra- he's been training with Mark Breeland, an Olympic gold medalist who is better as an amateur than a pro, but for a trainer that you know that that boxing ability really helps really helps him, but he hasn't really changed mm-hmm. that much. he hasn't learned that much his punches maybe have gotten a little straighter, but he still throws wild windmills, yeah, the windmill he's still mm-hmm. open. He gets he can get hurt, he can get crowded. I don't know if anybody seriously worked the body, work wilder's body over a period of time in a fight uh, which I think would really be key and he's getting he's getting mm-hmm. older too. The question is right. since the last fight how, what's in the fourteen or so months between the first fight and December? 2018 and February 2020, February 22nd, how much has have they changed? And you could make the case that they both lost a little bit in that year. Well, I don't
1: think Wilder cares about that. Honestly, he, you know, I'm just going to quote what he said. He says, when you have devastating power, like I do, you don't really worry about points. It's a 12 round fight, 36 minutes, somebody's going to make a mistake. And guess what? He's going to make a mis- make more than one mistake. He was talking about theory. So he really is. I don't think uh, even with his new coach or, I mean, uh, not with his new coach, but with uh, any of his training in camp is going to transfer to the ring. I think he'll probably resort right back to his old style and count on that right hand to take Fury out.
0: Well, that that's certainly a possibility, and that's one of the things that makes this fight intriguing is that I've said from the beginning you can make a very reasonable case, a very educated case mm-hmm. for either fighter to win. And that's one of the right. things that makes this so big it's not you can make a case for either guy and they're talking about educated boxing people can do that and that's going right. to be the calculus that gets that gets played out Wilder's bad boxing skills and ability but his top level power versus fury's uh, very elusive boxing skills and middling power uh, but better able to take advantage of a fighter's mistakes. And, he, you know, he couldn't knock out Otto Wallin. Um, If you look at, since he's returned, the only fighter he knocked out very quickly was this Tom Schwartz guy from Germany, who was not highly right. regarded, never fought any top-level fighter before. And people thought oh he's fighting another European with a name that's difficult for most Americans to pronounce, so this guy has to be the same thing. Well Valine was, was a better fighter. But he couldn't he couldn't knock him out and knock him down. Um, even if mm-hmm. and then he got cut even after he survived the cut. Uh and in the previous year he had the joke fight with Safari, you know, that was ridiculous. But when he fought the Journeyman Pianetta yeah, he was just coming back, but he needed the rounds, but he he didn't knock him down. So I don't know why he you know why a lot of people might or some people might think he's going to so easily be able to knock Wilder down. I think it, it's gonna, it's possible anything is possible in heavyweight boxing and it depends how each fighter is that particular day. I think one thing in Fury's favor is that Mentally, he seems a lot more there. He seems a lot more confident and better trained. And there have been certain clues about Wilder. They were supposed to do uh, TV interviews on some college football games a couple of weeks ago. Fury was there, and Wilder didn't show up. Um, Then he really was not active on social media for a couple of weeks, where either he... Or his team post a lot of stuff and maybe a lot of nonsense, but it was very—it was too way way too quiet. And this was like in after the fight had been officially announced. So is is something up in his camp? I so don't, th- you know, I don't know. Yeah, do you think he got hurt or something?
1: You think he got hurt? Maybe hurt
0: his hand? That's a possibility, or was sick, or something. I mean, anything that's gonna. It's already a short camp for him because he fought November twenty-third in the rematch against Ortiz. He's fighting three months later, so it's already a short, rest, you know, recovery period in camp. And you know now it seems even shorter. So we'll these are, these are like little clues. We'll see whether afterwards whether it means anything. But I always look to these clues before the fight I, I like in the rematch with Joshua and Ruiz I look to the fact how Ruiz did they planned a media conference call at least for the American media uh, with Manny Robles his trainer and Ruiz a couple of days day or two before the fight and Ruiz didn't show up and Manny Robles said he didn't know where Ruiz was you know you look at little things then of course he weighed in you know, enormously overweight. You look at all these types heavier, of things. Heavier, right? Yeah, which many he wasn't training properly, so it said something was wrong in that camp. Um, so we're just trying to, you know, trying to pull out some clues okay. from from what is going on, um, which which might be okay. one of the reasons that the bookies have uh, Fury a slight betting favorite. Really? Yeah. But it's very small. I mean, the last time I looked, it's very, very small. Right. And, he, and he, most people felt he won the last fight also. It says these two guys have been in the ring for 12 rounds. And while they knocked him down twice, but you have the, the point system when there's no knockout and you have the rules of boxing. And he got up in the 12th round around the count of five. Boxing has a 10 count. And he won the rest of that round, that round 12. So even with the two 10-8 rounds for Wilder, most people had Fury winning the fight, either 8, 9, or 10 rounds, and which came out mm-hmm. to either 114, 112, 115, 113, or uh, 115, yeah, one, what did I say? 115, 111. 115, or, right. Or, or one, 116, 110. I think most people had it, Probably around 115, 111. and those those are the rules of boxing going in, and it's the same rules for this fight. So F- Fury really deserved to win that fight, and so th- I think that's one of the reasons that that he's a slight favor at this time. That he didn't get knocked out; he went twelve rounds with him, and he didn't get knocked out. So that's true, and
1: I had him ahead on the cards before the knockdowns.
0: Yeah, so. What's going to happen? What's going to happen this time? We do, we just don't we don't know. And this fight with Valine has to be very worrying for the Fury camp because he didn't look that sharp, and he got cut. If you get cut from a legal punch and you lose, it's a TKO loss. That that's the rules of boxing. Whoever it happens to, those are the rules of boxing. Right. You get cut, and they determine you you can't continue, and it's from a legal punch. You lose the fight. So right. he's already been cut in his last fight, and then he went doing his WWE stunts, you know, about a month or so later, where he didn't get cut, and he says it's all healed and all that. It might be, but you know, Wilder's going to go searching for that. You know, but you also know if well, he goes searching. Well, he said that
1: in the press conference. Yeah, Yeah, he said that. He's going to try to open that cut up.
0: So they're going to work on a counter because the cut was above the right eye. So if he's going to try to open it up either with a jab or a left hook or something like that, Fury's going to look to counter that. You know, you got to, like Chess, you got to think so many moves ahead. Right, right, exactly. Which is why they should...
1: I'm, I'm looking forward for it.
0: Yeah, this is the kind of thing they should be selling selling the fight on and every other sport, most other sports, except, uh, you know, the uh, decadent version of MMA that's out there right now. Virtually every other sport does this. They line up the different strengths. And I know, you know, i watched watching over the years more baseball than any of these other sports, but... When there's something going on, when there's a World Series or a big game, they'll talk about the stra- the pitcher and the pitcher's strengths and the lineup and who's a good hitter and who's a good fielder and the matchups and all that kind of stuff in, in order to right. do it. And they don't have to have name-calling. I mean, they do, as, as the Astros scandal shows, they do their cheating behind the scenes. But in boxing, you know, in boxing, they... You know, more and more modeled this stuff after the the fake wrestling, and they don't see the relationship of the decline, the gradual decline over the years of boxing, to making it, making the culture just so disreputable. Well, I wish they would uh,
1: clean up some of the aspects like the judging and, uh, you know, some people say they're still fixing fights and all that garbage.
0: I think they are. They may not be fixing the ones that a lot of the fans think, but they're fixing, but they certainly are fixing, still fixing fights. Mm. But but they don't always... Yeah, they don't always fix the the big ones in the same way that they use, say in the olden d- days with the the mob running it, where they would fix some of the really big fights. Um, the, but the fan but it, it's killed its reputation. I mean, I've seen with fans, where there's a legitimate fight going on and people have n- absolutely no idea what they're watching, and they think something is fixed. When there's like a, a liver shot that knocks somebody down and somebody like, you know, that sort of delayed reaction. And when you go down and you get counted out, people think that's fixed. Try, get get oh, hit yeah. there by a professional boxer and then tell me it's fixed. Right. But you have the media also. Mo- most of the media has no idea what they're watching too. Um, and so how can these people report on this stuff? I mean, you have this guy that's been around for a long time for ESPN, Dan Raphael, still defending his view that Wilder won the first fight. He has no idea what he's watching. You can, and and you know, if you call a, if you make a mistake or whatever, you make a mistake. You could call something wrong, whatever. Watching a zillion and one fights. This happened, but he still he's still defending that view. The guy doesn't know. But is
1: he defend? Is he defending that view because technically, he did win the fight.
0: No, he didn't win the I fight. Mean, it was true. a it was a it was a split draw, and the one judge that gave it to gave it to Wilder was roundly uh, viewed. You know, was one of these you know ridiculous decisions that we see. In boxing, every week, if you watch it every week, you're probably going to see a ridiculous decision every week. Right. And you still won, you know. Right. You're right. I'm sorry. I wh- meant, I, wh- wh-
1: I met because uh, it, it did. That fight ended in a draw, but I see what you're saying. He's thinking Wilder won the fight because Wilder knocked him down twice, and it should have shown well, by, that. Well, on, on
0: points, on points, you total up. Points. It went right. twelve rounds, so you total up. You total up the points but if you right. if you total up the points and and that was a 10 eight round, and as I said, fury came back. not only did he not get knocked down again, he won the rest of the round. So yeah,, that's a ten eight round. That was a clean knockdown, ten eight round for Wilder. Mm-hmm. so you add up you add up the points for the twelve rounds. everybody right. that had wilder that had that had fury winning had that a 10 eight round I mean I guess just about everybody that knows anything about boxing, you add up the points and whoever was ahead at the end of the tournament right. rounds. So my point is that you, you have a, a media where a lot of them are either incompetent or, uh, or aligned with one or another promoter or network or somebody like that and don't know what the hell they're watching and don't know how to report on it. And so the fans who are, you know, going about their all their daily stuff and working and this and that, and they maybe they watch some of the pre-fight stuff and read some of this stuff and all this, and then they they settle in. They're not they're not experts. They're just fans. And the people that that are presented as experts don't know what the hell they're talking about. Just tell them a lot of nonsense. It makes it makes it much more difficult for the sport, which is why. The most coverage of the press conference, the most discussion that I've seen in the last week was about Fury's ridiculous claim that he masturbates seven times a day or something like that, that, you know, the, the scandal gossip page TMZ picked up, and that's been the most discussion, and not not one place has I've seen even connected, this guy's views himself as a WWE guy you you don't think he's not gonna make something up just to get headlines you know and this is the level of discussion mm-hmm. not what has to go on what if Fury's chances of knocking him out this has been more in the background
1: yeah he's turned it into an entertainment uh, segment
0: yeah exactly so i don't th- and i don't think that's going to i don't think this fight's going to do well on pay-per-view at all i think it's using an obsolete model i've been saying this for years as boxing has more and more declined and their whole strategy is to you know maybe they'll be able to get them interviewed or run a commercial on the super bowl uh, because uh, Fox is having the Super Bowl this year, and they're part of the apparently part of the, this joint pay-per-view. Although on ESPN, they've been calling it an ESPN Plus pay-per-view, which first of all they didn't say ESPN and Fox jointly. Second of all, is confusing to people because you don't have to subscribe to ESPN Plus to get the pay-per-view. So they're making this overly complicated, but. but Mm-hmm. Football fans, NFL and college football fans, are basically used to watching their product every week for free. I mean, there are some that will get paid for the Sunday ticket and all of that, but the the they, they you watch the Super Bowl for free. If you go to a bar, or a restaurant, or something, they they're not going to charge you. Just going to put on Fox and put it put or or a friend's house. They're not going to charge for that. If you want to watch it at home, it's going to be on your Fox station. And I think it's going to be streamed also. I think the last few years they've been streaming it for free, not as part of a pay service for the Super Bowl. And so this is the the great you know showdown in the NFL for people that watch that sport and casual fans. It's a big event, no doubt. And then something's right. going to come on with two guys they never heard of pay $75 for them to see them fight How many people are going to bite at that
1: Well, I'm not buying that ticket
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. It's I don't think it's going right. to do well. I don't think it's going to do well at all on pay-per-view and they've already mangled the promotion for it, you know, to to in in the Period before the fight, they started too late. Why they didn't announce that announce it the week after Wilder's fight with Ortiz, and and uh, do a press tour before the holidays? Made absolutely no sense.
1: Yeah, I think I heard them say it, they signed a contract or they signed a deal late or something.
0: Yeah, why was it signed late if supposedly it was the rematch is agreed upon after December 2018? Because they're trying to get the two networks to work together and they're both being, you know, they both have these exclusive deals and they're trying to get an edge over each other on it. And we're already seeing that, as I said, with the way it's been presented on the ESPN telecast. It's just an ESPN Plus pay-per-view.
1: Right.
0: So you have. I, I. don't think this. This is gonna work that well. It's certainly gonna be an important fight for boxing. I've said that all along, because it has. Joshua had been the number one heavyweight till he lost to Ruiz, and even though he beat Ruiz in the rematch, virtually everybody has the number one and two heavyweights in the world as Fury and Wilder, and you can have number one and two fight. And that person will be regarded as the number one heavyweight in the world, the winner, assuming that it's not a Las Vegas decision, you know, with the usual controversy or some type of nonsense, you know, which is certainly a possibility. Which is another reason, by the way, not to bet, you know, because it's boxing. Exactly. So it's obviously an extremely important fight, but it's an important fight for boxing fans. It's not an important fight for the general public in the United States. Now I just
1: want to see Wilder and Joshua fight next. That's
0: all I want to see. Yeah, boxing. Boxing people want to see want to see the fight because of its its importance, and because the last fight didn't solve the whole solve everything because of the absurd uh, split draw decision. But it ended mm-hmm. It ended inconclusively in that sense. Even if you thought Fury won, you know, he did get knocked down two times. What would happen? And they fight again. And there have been many, many heavyweight uh, rivalries that have had rematches and trilogies over the years. Um... You know, Ali and Fraser, Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield, right. you can mention them, or well, just some with rematches, Lennox Lewis and Oliver McCall, and probably higher uh, attention was given to Lennox Lewis and Haseen Rockman. and, you know, you could add a whole bunch of them to that list, and more recently, Joshua and Ruiz. So there's the history there, and all all that adds up to something that's intriguing. They're not getting that across. They're going to put him on the Super Bowl. What what do you think is going to happen with Ruiz? Where does he go from here? I don't know. He's posted some, started to post some pictures on Instagram that he's training a little bit, but... We don't know if he's going to be with Manny Robles or whether he's going to split and blame Manny Robles for the fact he didn't train properly and was eating himself out of shape for the last fight. I'm not really sure what's going to happen with him. He's also a PBC fighter, and I think the PBC, I think the top rank let him go, and that PBC let him fight with Joshua when he was a big underdog as a last-minute replacement for Miller. I think that the people there must have known his lack of discipline. And there are just mm-hmm. some fighters who underperform and who have a lot of talent, but their lack of discipline right. hurts them. I mean, I, I think I'd mentioned this to you a while back about Chris Areola, who was not as good of a fighter as uh Ruiz. But was a really good fighter, but wasted a lot of potential by constantly coming in out of shape, uh, uh, overweight, not training properly, drinking beer all the time, that type of thing.
1: Well, yeah, as long as I've known Andy, uh, he, he even told me one time he had to move out of Vegas because he just couldn't focus on boxing. And I think that is why top rank cut him loose because I wasn't understanding why top rank wasn't you know putting him in fights like why is this guy stagnant right now why isn't his career moving along and then you learn that he's got a you know he's got a he likes he likes the girls he likes the, the limelight and so now yeah now he's he's uh, pretty much back
0: to square one so yeah so what's going to happen I know Eddie Hearn wants to bring him in now is an opponent but I'm not sure where he's going to go I'm not sure what PBC wants to do with him. What's interesting is that before the, before Miller's drug tests came out and Miller was still scheduled to fight Joshua Ruiz fought the, the sort of journeyman Alexander Dimitrenko on uh, TV in the US and destroyed Dimitrenko he just swarmed them and just knocked the hell out of them. So after that fight, they said, well, you know, the usual, who do you want to fight next? And he, he said he forgot the guy's name, and he had like a PBC publicist or somebody there reminding him that he wanted, that they were supposed to call out Adam Koznaski, The fighters, the Polish fighters, were fighting a lot in Brooklyn. Um, and so mm-hmm. it would have been two roly-poly heavyweights against each other. That, of course, <laughs> got upended. Now, Kovnatsky is still with PBC and is fighting, a sort of very fated Hellenius, reportedly, in their next fight in March. So that won't be Ruiz's next fight. Uh, we'll, we'll see. If PBC is going to keep them maybe what they're going to do, the usual thing, is Give him, a, give him an easy opponent to look good against that he could take out in a few rounds and then build mm-hmm. him back up, but I don't know what's going through his head he, he on the one hand he earned an enormous amount of money for these two fights with Joshua on the other hand he blew a chance at sky high money if he had, right. if he had won that rematch not
1: thinking long term right
0: yeah. You don't get those opportunities yeah. very often in life. <coughs> um, yeah. So it depend you know, it depends Good what point. PBC wants to do with the guy. Or if he's even gonna stay with PBC. So, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with him. See the th- the thing about it is that People want to see an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world where somebody wins all the four belts. However, that may not be possible with all the crap of these sanctioning bodies. I mean, we're already seeing Joshua being told not that he won his three belts back by two of them, that his next fight has to be with their mandatory, both the IBF and WBO. So, we know that. Yeah, we don't know how that's going to be resolved, but what it's going to happen at some point is that somebody can unify these belts and then have to start vacating some of them to remain the best heavyweight in the world to fight the top fights. And that happened with Lennox Lewis, where he won at that time people just recognized the three belts. When he beat Holyfield, he won all the three belts. But he couldn't keep holding on to them because of all the mandatory stuff that they felt wasn't going to make any money and all that. So he relinquished them and nobody cared because, yeah, he lost to Rachman, then he then he beat Rachman, and he was regarded as clearly, until he retired, the number one heavyweight in the world. So if Joshua, say, has to relinquish one of these belts, and at some point fights the winner of Fury and Wilder. If there's a decisive winner, and afterwards the winner will be regarded as the number one heavyweight in the world, that fighter may not hold all of these sanctioning body belts, and you're going to start seeing middling fighters fighting for these titles as you originally did when Joshua fought uh, Charles Martin to win his first belt, his IBF belt. Mm -hmm. So that could provide an opening for guys like Andy Ruiz to pick up another belt somewhere along the way. Rachman at some point a few years later picked up another belt when the belts were all divided up. And so Ruiz, you could have younger fighters like... uh, Daniel Dubois who I think is a tremendous amount of potential just like 22 Mm -hmm. he could pick up some belt to get a fight so he could start having three or four different quote heavyweight champions but with one of them being regarded as the number one heavyweight in the world if you have if you have this showdown between Anthony Joshua and the, the Fury Wilder winner right of course the other wild card I always say is what's going to happen with Fury he's always, he's always talking about retiring he's saying he has three more fights he, said, he says this off and on he doesn't want to continue fighting he's 31 years old but he, it sounds like he's looking for a break so with the WWE you know, he says after he smashes Wilder he's going to smash Brock Lesnar in the, the Wrestlemania show um, which is, I think, in April. He, he always seems to be looking for something else. So, how long is he going to be continuing to fight? You know, through, you know, if if he fights Wilder once or twice more, and maybe fights Joshua, how m- longer in 2021, 2022 is he going to continue to fight? So, that's going to open up a lot of these be- these chances for people to win belts. Dillian White is another guy that could, you know, he, he, st- he has the interim WBC championship. There are all these cockamamie belts that are out there. So that, ge- that gives a lot of these guys a chance to become a, quote, world heavyweight champion. And, and it's up to Ruiz. Is he going to seriously tra- train? whether he stays with mm-hmm. manny or not is he going is he going to stay with manny or get a good trainer and be disciplined the, the problem is with unlike rockman was a different situation but with andy ruiz junior has a history of indiscipline and can he change at this point i don't know i honestly unfortunately the odds are against it But I hope he does because he's a talented – and I've said this all along. I said this when he was first announced as a replacement for Miller. I didn't think he was going to beat Joshua, but I said, don't underrate this guy. He belongs in the top ten more than some of these other guys that are in the top ten because the sanctioning bodies say so. He had a very close fight with Parker. He looked very sharp with Dimitrenko in a way – that other fighters didn't look as sharp the Dimitrenko was not you Dimitrenko. know, an elite level fighter but he could be, you know, like you said he could throw it away with all the nonsense So uh, it would be a shame right. it is a shame I was disappointed
1: that he didn't really put his whole 100% into that fight with Joshua
0: yep so we'll see we'll see so what else you got uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks?
1: Well, in the next couple of weeks, I'm uh, actually just working on my uh, developing uh, some gear for skulls combat sports equipment. So I'm working on some gloves and some uh, equipment that I want to launch. Probably in the next couple of months, we'll do a, in a we're going to do a pre-launch campaign on uh, Indiegogo. So you guys stay tuned for that.
0: Yes, make sure to send all the information about that. Anything else you just going I to add will. before we wrap this all up?
1: No, uh, thank you. I'll be looking forward to the next, next presser as the fight goddess and your photographer <laughs> correspondent.
0: Very good, very good. If people want to follow you online, I know you're very active, social media and all that, what's uh, uh, the best way to do that?
1: Right. Uh, on uh, Instagram they can follow me at fight underscore goddess and on Facebook follow Skulls Combat Sports Equipment thanks, um, thanks a lot Eddie
0: well glad to always talk with you and you know we'll be keeping up with this we'll see what uh, what transpires with this fight as we're just a little bit over a month away from it excellent I appreciate the time very good thank you and we'll speak soon all right bye bye no holds barred is brought to you by skulls combat sports equipment creator of the patented skulls double end bag is the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training skulls double end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed Distance and timing skills hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required Skulls combat sports equipment that skulls with a Z Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters for more information Go to Instagram and Facebook at skulls with a Z combat sports and Adolfina studios Original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com. That's E T S Y.com. Slash shop slash Adolphina Studios. That's A D O L P H I N A Studios. Hello, everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman. No holds barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.